Yo, what is up, chumps? This is the Fantasy Chumps Podcast coming right back at you live. During the last couple weeks of July, I am one of your co-hosts, Leighton. Joining me, as always, is Nate. And unfortunately, it's just Nate this week, but Nate, how are you doing? Yes, how unfortunate for for it to be just me. But I'm doing pretty well. I'm, I, was, I missed I, I, the episode last week, right? Yeah. Didn't you guys record one? Time's, yep. fly- Time's been flying. But yeah, yeah. I was, was not in the office with you guys last week. But uh, excited to be back. I don't. We're kind of. We've got a hodgepodge of an episode here. It, it's it's but, a it's a collector's item of things. Yeah, but I'm excited to get into it. Lots of news to talk about. Also, when I said I was sad, it was you know just you and me. I meant that John's not here. Not that I'm stuck with you. <laughs> I I got you. Okay, but <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since all three of us have been together. So next week we'll have to do that. Um, but yeah, there's a lot to get into, so maybe we should just kind of dive right into there. So, that. starting off, there's some big NFL news that's happened recently. So we'll start off with the biggest one, and of course, he's not here to talk about it. John got the eighth pick in our fantasy league. Woo! <laughs> yeah, baby. He's not happy. <laughs> so we'll get his. He's, uh, he's he's grown to like it a little bit more. That is true. Well, he's he's only done like. 10 mock drafts so far. Oops. I would take that. I would hammer the over on that. I bet he's done more oh. than 10. On ESPN? <laughs> okay, true. ESPN, it takes a little bit of time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to say sleeper. You could you could get out 15 in the day. Oh, for Almost. sure. I could, I could get 15 out in like half an hour <laughs> on sleeper. At work, yeah, for sure. But, um, I mean, he... Wasn't thrilled about it, but he's liking it more. So I'll have to get his initial reaction next week, hopefully. So. Yep. We're moving on into the more pressing news. No offense, John. <laughs> is Giants running back Saquon Barkley, when, reported, when talking to the press, said on his likelihood of starting week one, we'll see. Um, Nate, how, how, did, how did you react to that? <laughs> Doesn't uh doesn't make you super excited to go out and draft Saquon Barkley really? We know it was a pretty gruesome injury that cost him his season last year, but it happened so early. You were kind of hopeful that he could make a full recovery, which he will. He will make a full recovery, yeah. and like most of the time, they people come back stronger than they were before. But like, it just looks like it may take some more time. And him nursing it a little long into the start of the season, but um, yeah, a little concerning for sure. Um, we were bouncing around. He was a hard person to rank. I feel like even before before like, this news, before this news, he was somebody. I mean, if he's at full strength, I I would put him as high as like the third, like yeah, top top three. Three or four or something like that with Kamara next to him. But now it's like, does he fall below like Zeke and Nick Chubb? It's just you you wonder how long he's going to be. We're going to miss him for. Um, But yeah, 
concerning for sure. It's it's just one of those things where because I was kind of low on him because you know coming off the injury and not to toot my own horn, you can go back and listen. But I did say I was like, you know, sure. coming off coming off ACL MCL is a big deal. I'm not super sure how that's gonna work and. Then he comes and says this. I'm just like, well, this doesn't help his case for sure. So we'll have to see. But does that move him down kind of where you feel comfortable taking him at compared to all the other options, Nate? Yeah, I mean, I think so. But that's what makes it so hard is, um, I mean, you you kind of want to make a good assessment of, like, the risk that you're taking for where you're taking him at. So, I mean, if you, if you're the ninth pick this year or something and Saquon Barkley's there is, it's like, I'm probably going to take him just for the upside as there compared to other people, but at six or something, when there's Jonathan Taylor available, maybe, or somebody that has the upside that, uh, that could match Saquon, uh, I would probably, I don't know. I'd be a little less, a little more hesitant to, to go for him what do you think well right now he's currently going as the number five running back on sleeper and on espn number well five as well look or on espn yeah look at that both at five ever since that news and you know it's i'd say i'd say six is where i'd take him right now i'd probably take I take McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Henry, even though I don't love Derrick Henry, and Zeke probably for sure before Barkley now. Okay. Yeah, I think I would do the same, and I would With, throw Jonathan Taylor in there. So yeah, I would put Saquon at seven. Eckler's right there too, but uh, the ceiling yeah. of Eckler I don't think is as high as ceiling of Barkley. No, so not for, for touchdown yeah, production, I'd probably I'd probably take Zeke before. Honestly, I might take Barkley before Henry too, because we, as of right now, I'd take Henry first. But yeah. if he's if it gets more positive, I'd probably take him later on because it's again it's still July. Um, if you're drafting now, think about that. But if not, just wait and kind of see any more updates. So hopefully, he'll get some positive signs. If news comes out as we get closer that he's going to miss the first two weeks, does it affect your decision at all? Like, are you just going to punt those first two weeks on him and take him at five still? That's a great question. I would, I'd move him down even more. Which, you would? Yeah. So just a little insight into our fantasy league. We're all three a part of our main one that we've been. When did we start that? Like sophomore year of high school? Yeah. Sophomore, junior year, so a little while. We've had it, and so we've decided to stretch out the draft selection, so we just pull the names out of a hat this for the past like couple of years and this year. And last year, we do two a week for like five weeks just to kind of build the excitement and keep people interested and just kind of an excuse for us to get together. But Nate and I are at the lowest, our – Pick six right now. I, mm-hmm. if that comes out, he I'm not drafting him in the top six. I I guess like me thinking about it when he's unsure if he's playing week one, that's like, I, that's got me thinking more. It's like he may not play until week three or four, 
Yeah. Like, then, I mean, I feel like it's like if he's like if it's 50-50, if he's going to play week one or not, then he would be saying like I'm I'm confident, like I'm going to be playing. And it would have to be like the trainers holding. But if it's like, hey, Saquon, are you going to play week one? He's like, uh, I don't know. It's like it makes me think that it's more serious than people think. And I would be – but – and then it's like – but if it's like Saquon is just going to miss – the first two weeks, I feel a little bit better about that. Like, I guess yeah. at least I have some clarity. Well, it's just tough because if he misses the first two weeks, is he a hundred percent for week three, or is he like that's true? Yeah, where we where we think he'd be for week one, you know, like eighty mm-hmm. percent. Which it's I don't like this. That's why I'm really hoping I get like a top three pick, so I don't even have to worry about you it. You don't even. Yeah, yeah. But just just a lot of risk. I know I wouldn't. It, I yeah, hope so, like I hope I'm not the one that has to make that decision where it's like, am I missing out on this guy's like huge potential upside if he is healthy and like a hundred percent, or do I pass on him and take somebody that's just a safe pick but a shell of Saquon Barkley? Yeah, so it's it's definitely tough. So very tough. Uh, it, it just something to monitor, but as of right now, it's. Not looking great. Sad to report I was actually kind of right on that one. So next up on the agenda is more sad news. It training camp hasn't even started, and two of the like top fifteen ranked guys are going down. And if you haven't heard the news, Cam Top Akers, fifteen is bold to say. Well, just in the rankings. Maybe. Yeah. Just the, okay. Yep. Is um, Cam Akers towards Achilles, Achilles <laughs> training, and his the Rams doctors confirmed it yesterday, so he is out for the whole 2021 season. Nate, I know you were not a big Cam Akers guy, but this, I know you weren't yeah, a big. You don't you don't wish this upon anyone. No, 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 and that's not what I was trying to say. Is I know you're not a big Cam Akers guy, but does this make you worried for the? running back depth for this upcoming fantasy season now that two of the like bigger names going into it are down or out? I mean, I was already kind of worried about running back depth already. Right. But this does, it doesn't like, it doesn't change that fact that much for me, mostly because I didn't, I didn't consider Cam Akers to be one of those top tier, top two tier guys. He was, I viewed him more as somebody that was starting and was going to be getting a lot of touches, not like a superstar guy. Like he was just in a good position to succeed. And like now I think Daryl Williams is exactly where Cam Akers was in my rankings. Daryl Henderson. Did I say Daryl Williams? Yes, you did. Okay. Daryl Henderson. Yeah, that's what I meant. But yeah, yeah. he, he becomes Cam Akers for me now where, I mean, he's probably not as explosive and talented as Akers is, but he's in a good position where he's going to get a lot of volume and he, he's going to be their guy. So. Yeah. So the one, the, the main reason I was asking this question, cause I started thinking about it and none of us really loved Cam Akers. Like look, he was going around like 15, 16, right? Yeah. And, I think yeah. so. So instead of somebody, you know, taking him at 15, now they're taking Antonio Gibson or Joe Mixon. Najee That's Harris. true. And, 
and now it kind of it's kind of like when somebody gets hurt it's not like oh you know the backup's good it's like okay well mm-hmm. the, the guy that comes in for him won't be as good and so it kind of moves everybody else up which is why yeah, I'm, uh, it kind of hurries the draft along and yeah now yeah so, okay yeah i get what you're saying yeah um yeah, that is a good point. I mean, we you we've all been doing quite a few mock drafts and we have a I guess it depends on which uh like platform you're using, if it's ESPN or Sleeper, but you have a pretty good idea of where guys usually are ending up in those first five or six rounds. Um but yeah, I suppose so. Um I mean, there is always like a little bit of deviation between them. Right. And I don't think it's it's crazy to think that Antonio Gibson can get taken in the top, you know, between 13 and 16. Yeah. And I know it's a minor minor point, but I loved it when, you know, if Gibson, Nixon, Harris, you know, Clyde, Chris Carson, if they're all still on the board and somebody's taking cam Akers, So one of those guys are more likely to fall to me. It always made me happy and less like worried. So it's, it's just yeah, not good. Hope yeah. he has a great recovery and then plays amazing next year for the for the Rams. Yeah. Okay. Or, well, go ahead. Oh no, it's okay. I was gonna get us into the question of the podcast. Sure. You want to read that, it off to everybody? Yeah, that news kind of led us right into there. But question of the pod from at Britt Adams fifty four fourteen says, what are your thoughts on Henderson's season now that Cam Akers is done? I'll let you kick us off. So my initial reaction was like, okay, well, based on the Cam Akers hype, Daryl Henderson is going to be way too up there. But right now he's ranked, uh, again, on ESPN as running back 21, 39th overall player. And see, to me, that's low. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's kind of it's interesting to see how just the name, I guess, changes. Well, obviously, I don't think anybody was disagreeing that Cam Akers is the better player. But Daryl Henderson was the running back 36 last year as the backup. And the Rams, according to fantasypros.com, they have the second easiest schedule for running backs. So, Really? Yeah, it's kind of weird, but just looking at, you know, his production, like, it was pretty good, like 138 attempts for 624 yards, five touchdowns, and he got 24 targets, 16 catches for a touchdown. For a backup, that's really, it's really good. So if he gets 60 to 80% of that work in the backfield, because who else do they have anymore, mm-hmm. is, I think is a good sign, so... It's interesting because now he's too low in my head. I'd probably take him. I'd definitely take him above. Jacobs, Montgomery. Oh, would you really? Yeah, I'd I'd take him above Sanders and J.K. Dobbins too. Just because you know he's going to be getting the volume? Yeah, and the Rams have a good offense, so it's just Mm – I mean, it's not somebody I'm targeting. Yeah. He's in a really good position to succeed, I think. It's hard, though. I mean, I I cannot – speak for Daryl Henderson's game at all. Right. I have not seen him carry the ball very much. So that's basic. That's really what I'm putting that 
ranking at is just that, yeah, I think he could be successful in the ring. The guy that's playing all three downs. But it makes it hard for me to put him that high, I guess, when I know Josh Jacobs is more talented, even though Kenyon Drake is there and yeah. could be stealing some touches from him. It's hard for me to move Daryl Henderson up that much. But, I mean, you know, I guess that was kind of the ordeal with Mike Davis from last year. Yeah, the, is- thing, the thing about him is he was a third-round pick in 2019. So it's not like he's not talented or they didn't think he was talented. Yeah. Just if I'm being honest, I think, I think the reason they drafted Akers is because they didn't think he'd actually be there in the area where they could actually move up and get him, which is why they did. So, yeah. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see, but I'm, I'm definitely high on him. Britt, thanks for the question. But my thoughts question. on his season, well, what do you think his ceiling is? I mean, his ceiling is – it's kind of hard, like I said, without knowing anything about his game really. Right. Like, I don't um, – Floor and ceiling. Floor and ceiling. I, ceiling, he could probably – I'm going to say RB, RB 14 is his ceiling. Really? I think his ceiling is like RB – you know, eight. That's like if that's, everything goes perfectly. That's so high, I feel like. I mean, 14 is putting him where, like, DeAndre Swift is going now. Yeah. And I just think DeAndre Swift is way, way more talented. And he's also yeah. getting a lot of volume. I think it's Detroit. floor, though, is, like, running back 25, 30. I, I, yeah, I think he, he he's got he's got a high floor and a really low ceiling. Honestly. Okay, I don't I don't see his him peaking into somebody that's like a a boom player or gonna I don't know, but I don't for just for being the only guy that's in in LA right now for the Rams, I don't see his floor falling too low. It's kind of the one guy I'm kind of comparing him to for no real reason at, at all is Javante Williams. Cause I think a lot of people were okay. high on him. Like, I think he's going to rise a lot because especially if he starts, but then you have Melvin Gordon taking, you know, some, some snaps away. It's kind of the same with mm-hmm. how acres was with Henderson. I didn't like acres cause Henderson was right behind him. He's young. He's talented. Mm-hmm. Now that one of them is gone. It's like, well, it's all him then. So, yeah, that's kind of the. It does kind of put your mind at ease for sure. Oh, absolutely. you're not gonna have to worry about that. But I mean, what? Okay, okay. What did uh Mike Davis finish at last year? Do you have hmm. that off the top of your head? He's yes. somebody that I'm thinking about when I'm thinking of like Daryl Henderson now. Twelve is some. Yeah, he was twelve. Okay, well, yeah. if Daryl Henderson, being a former third round pick. That has some game to him. Maybe the, it was about ten to twelve. Yeah, I mean it's, it's doable. Mike Mike Davis is a good player. He's a little bit more experienced. Um, but so the yeah. main reason I said ten, right, is because mm-hmm. Mike Davis was twelve when he played like how many was it like 13, 14 games without McCaffrey there at all. Yeah. 
and Nick Chubb missed four or five games. He's 11. Kareem Hunt was 10 just because Nick Chubb missed, you know, four or five games. And so everybody else was like a full-time starter ahead of him. So that's partially the reason I was being, you know, again, it's very optimistic, but that's why my high end was there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think that's fair. I just, I don't know anything about him. It's hard for me to really say. I understand. I'm not betting on that, but it's just something to think about. Like, does, does he catch passes? I literally have no idea what he's like. Uh, yeah, I had him. I, he had like 24 targets, 16 catches last year, not being the starter. So, I'm not really. I think so, because he was running back 36. Yeah, he didn't play too much in 2019. Yeah, he had 24 20... targets, 16 receptions for 160 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I couple, mean, when, when you're targets a game, when you're the backup, it's kind of. Hard to expect mm-hmm. anything. Right. So. We'll see so. what he can do. Yeah. Thanks Again, thanks for submitting the question, Britt. If you guys want your question asked and answered on the podcast, please follow us at fantasy underscore chumps. Just send us a direct mm-hmm. message, and we will be sure to answer it on the podcast. We love answering them, and uh, we appreciate we it. sure do. So uh, – I. Going back go to that real quick. Okay, no, go ahead. Kind of <laughs> personal for you. Um, would you rather have Daryl Henderson right now or David Montgomery? Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson or Miles Gaskin? Um, okay, it's tough because it depends on who my – I already have two running backs. I'll probably go with – Miles Gaskin. I don't know. They're, okay, those two guys are like even for me, honestly. Okay, last one, Daryl Henderson or Chris Carson? Chris Carson. For sure. Just secured the bag. Yeah, he did. All right, that was it. Okay, well, no, that was, that was good. That was good. Would it be the same for you? You'd probably pick everybody besides Daryl Henderson, though. Yeah, probably. Oh, well, that's okay. But I mean, yeah, it's tough and it's close. Yeah. I would be fine with I'd be fine with either of them for for all three of those. That's true. Hoo-hoo. All right. Well, let's take a quick break, maybe pay some bills, and we'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back to the fantasy chumps podcast we are talking about our favorite draft spots and risky draft picks like uh, nate said earlier it's kind of a you know a bunch a of different topics yeah it's a hodgepodge of topics all mashed together just because we have a lot of little things to talk about not a lot of big things quite yet so but we'll get into those soon uh, so basically with the favorite draft spots segment we are going to highlight two draft positions each that we like the best if you have a choice maybe if you're out there that you can pick just go with that but essentially we're just going to launch right in and tell you guys why we like it so nate why don't you uh, get us started there okay so as layton was describing earlier for our league we've uh 
we have started pulling like names out early in the couple weeks leading up to the draft just to get some more excitement around it. People can prepare a little bit more before before draft day, yada, yada. So what he was saying was that we've done – we've pulled the first four names out, and we started from at 10. So we have picks 10, 9, 8, and 7 filled. And so John was pulled at 8, but Layton and I are still left. So the worst we can do now is 6. But um, so I was picking, I've been doing more mocks in this range since then. So that was kind of what I was basing this off of. So the first one that I have is I've been really liking what I've been seeing at pick three at Mm -hmm. the three hole. It's a good pick. It is a good pick. And that's, I mean, I do really like the first two. I think the first two, if you can get, McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook, that's about as like risk-free as it gets to have those two in the first two rounds. But that's not necessarily like why we like these spots that we're choosing. It's more for I think the third to like fourth and fifth and sixth rounds where you can really make some headway. But at three, you're projected to get Kamara or Henry in the first round, but on the wrap back around. I've been really liking my lineups where I can get um, like Joe Mixon or someone there, uh, another running back with a high floor. You could say Mixon has a, or has a high ceiling, but he's a little risky with his floor, uh, just with injury, injury risk and whatnot. But um, and I bit. think. And it's the Bengals, yeah. They have a lot of very average wide receivers that could um, steal some of his targets. Three's been something I've been really liking a lot. I've been with taking tight ends if they're available in third round. Um, Mm -hmm. And most of them, you can still get Kittle at pick uh, like 3.3. So third round. Um, you can still get Kittle and Waller usually there. But, uh, yeah, I've been going back and forth taking um, one of those or holding off on a tight end and maybe trying to grab, like, Josh Allen early there or Lamar Jackson or somebody. But I I like this spot a lot because um, I think you can still get a really great running back, which is what I like a lot. And the one that I most recently did – Antonio Gibson at pick 3.3, um, who Leighton and I are both super high on. Uh, that, that, that there was, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, Clyde was still on the board, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins. Um, so I've, I've been liking this one a lot. Um, haven't had as much success finding good value wide receivers after, after the, the fifth round. That's something I kind of need to work on. Yeah. Um, I mean, with wide receiver, it's so deep this year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely crazy. Correct. But you you said you kind of liked three, too, didn't you? I do. Three so as well. Yeah. We actually did a mock draft on ESPN, and I took the three spot. And I remember, Nate, you texted me. We just did it together for fun. And Nate, you said, this is like the lineup I, I dream about. <laughs> 
You did. I mean, you who did you you had Kamara? I had Kamara, I had Clyde, and then I had Gaskin as my three running backs basically start. And then I think I had Amari Cooper and Chris Godwin both. I love that lineup. Or something like that. Yeah, I would. It'd be great. I would would sleep well at night knowing that I had those guys on my on my squad. Yeah, it's it's just tough because you know, you just try to what I like about threes, you can still get the the solid players like in the first like four or five rounds without having to reach too far. And that also gives you the, the likelihood of somebody falling more, where mm-hmm. the, which is the one downside of my favorite position is being number one after the first pick. Obviously, you have to stack. It's just a lot harder to have somebody fall to you. Like, you rarely get somebody who's like, oh, you know, how is, how is uh, Keenan Allen still here at pick 39? Like, that just doesn't mm-hmm. happen. Whereas with the pick three, you know, he might fall about four or five picks and you can snag him. So it's just, that's one thing I like about the three pick also. Yeah, so I, that's a great point. But yeah, go on. Tell us more about pick one. Why you, oh, dude, why pick you one is the best. So um, we're only really talking about the first six rounds because that's just the best ones to guess. After that, drafts can basically go any direction. But with the first pick, I... I just love the ability to take, you know, a guy like Christian McCaffrey, who start every week, a stud. And it kind of goes the same with two. I didn't pick two for my second one because I thought it would just be more of the same. But the fact you can take McCaffrey and then on the turn, you know, there's been a lot of times where you see, like, you know, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris still there with a Clyde or a DeAndre Swift. Or even if you want to reach and get Chris Carson just because – you know, one thing I love about – sorry, this is kind of a side note. One thing I love about the first overall pick is the ability to, you know, reach. Because, you know, in 19 and 20, you don't pick again until 39, 40. So if there's somebody in that range like I really like, you know, let's say I really like Keenan Allen, who I talked about, pick 30. He's not going to come back to me at 39, most likely. And if I reach and I draft him, I don't feel bad about it just because if I really am that high on him – and it just gives me the ability to go get him. Where if it's if I'm at like five, six, you know, four or five, I get a little bit worried, like, oh, I'm reaching. He still might be there, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I like the ability yeah, because you, I see you even, go ahead. Sorry. I just, but, no, I was going to say, yeah, I, if you're at one of those ends, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like if there's like a guy that you think could go in that round is gonna, is not going to be there when it gets back to you. So – there's no point in playing that game and you got to just go for him. So, yeah, I, I think it does give you the opportunity to reach for people and get away with it if you like them. Yeah, because what's nice is kind of like I was talking about, you can either go, you know, three running backs to start, two running backs and a receiver, and you'll have elite players at all three. And especially at four or five, so you can still get those elite guys, but it's just – it gives you so much it gives you a lot of flexibility because you can reach and do all those things. So that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons I like it. And just having back to back is super nice just because it's like, okay, cool. I have two picks. There's two guys I really like, I'm gonna take them both. So yeah. It's kind of where I stand on the one spot. So Nate, do you wanna dive into your yeah. second favorite? Yeah, which, this, is, this... which is one. So <laughs> yeah.
I'm pretty keen on one as well, like for the reasons Leighton mentioned. Um, but the next, and this is one that I've been doing a lot of mocks for, just preparing for the worst worst case possible. Um, yeah. If six is the the weakest spot I can get, then I'm gonna go ahead and prepare as I can by figuring out what a a typical roster might look like from that spot. Um, But I've actually found that I really quite like it. Um, I've been liking the, the first and second round like player opportunities that I have to pick there. And most of mine, what I've been getting is um, somebody that I've been, uh, has been rising up my, my rankings lately has been uh, Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan mm-hmm. Taylor and Zeke. I should say those guys in just about every draft you'll, you'll be able to get one of them at six. I don't think you'll, there will cases maybe now with Saquon falling for a lot of people. Uh, maybe they'll be gone before six, but you should right. be able to get Zeke or Jonathan Taylor at that spot. Um, but then I, I like the way back around. I've been messing with getting one of those top wide receivers in the second round, because I think they thin out really quickly. Um, and by top wide receivers, I'm looking at like Tyreek, Devonte Adams, D Higgs. Um, you could also put like DK in there. I'm putting Calvin Ridley in there. I think he's a top one, especially being the only guy now in Atlanta. Um, but I've been playing, I guess, those guys. I think it starts to average out a lot more where there's a difference between Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, and then it gets on into right. like DJ Moore and Kenny Galladay, which are, are people that, I don't know. I there's they're not going to really win you a league. I don't think, but I think D Hop, who's somebody I've been drafting a lot in the second round at the sixth slot, um, he's he could be a league winner, and he's he's going to beat. Who'd you say? I'm probably uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a 14 game regular season, he's going to beat the guy. 12 times guy lined up across him, meaning the wide receiver one on the other thing. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The odds of him outscoring the other person is, are very high. So he, it's nice to have somebody like that when, when the wide receiver position is deep, but elite talent thins out pretty quickly. It's, it's interesting mentioning D hop cause he's, he's ranked so low just cause there's so many good, there's so many running back options that are being drafted ahead of him. So. Yeah. Yep. Um, I've just been noticing, like, we were talking draft strategy a while back, and you kind of sold me on going through. It all depends on the situation, but, like, kind of shooting for three running backs early. I was really into that idea, especially if you could get two, maybe three if you're lucky, that are good pass-catching options. Yep. Um, But as I've – as time's gone on and as I was doing more and more of those, I was finding out that I really didn't like my receivers yeah, very much. And I was going to have to really find like a boom player in just a pack of really average people, like middle of the pack guys. 
uh-huh. um, I, I don't know. I felt like there was a lot of risk there. While I was stacked running back, I didn't think that it could overcompensate for how weak my receivers were, mm-hmm. my receiving core was. So I've I've been messing around more with wide receiver a little bit earlier, especially second second and third round. Yeah, just I would like to take at least one of them and surround them by a couple more running backs. It just depends when, like, how you like to build your roster. Because I know some people love having stud receivers, which I totally get. I always find myself get trapped in, like, oh, I need, you know, two solid running backs and a really good backup. And so sometimes I overcompensate. I'm the same way, yeah. It's something I'm looking more into. But um, once I find out my draft position, I'll do all this research on that and I'll report back to you guys. But (laughs) It, one of the things that I think we're kind of harping on, because my, you know, my uh, my second favorite spot is still one. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, actually it's actually three, <laughs> but we'll go with seven since uh, Nate took, you know, my other one was six. And I think one of the reasons why we like the six, seven, and the one, two, three is just because the pocket of players that we seem to hit, we really like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the reasons I love seven is because you can either get typically Zeke, Jonathan Taylor. And then on the turnaround, you still have a chance to get, you know, Nick Chubb, Gibson, Mixon, Najee Harris for sure. But if you want to go receiver, you still have Hopkins, Ridley. So it just sets up for a great base with great elite players. And, you know, there's there's still a wait with seven, but it's shorter than six. So I, I know it's being very nitpicky, but, you know, there's not as many picks in between. And, you can you know, kind of control a little bit more right. how, yeah, the picks between you. You don't feel like you have to reach a ton, except between the long term, maybe. But on the mm-hmm. short term, especially in, you know, if you're if you guys are in a league where you know everybody and you know like players they like or how they like to build their roster, it can really help you like predict what everybody else will do. So that's one of the things about like you know, having picks closer together and waiting longer is because the people in between the closer picks, you can kind of guesstimate what they're going to do and you won't be surprised. So yeah, I, I like seven a lot because you can still get an elite receiver or sorry, an elite running back coupled with another one. But then later on, you still have, you can still hit those pocket of players. Sometimes it's the end of the pocket. Sometimes it's the very beginning and then you get your choice. So it's very, it's very draft fluid friendly i guess where you don't have to stick with one strategy which i really like mm-hmm. yeah i think that's good that was a good point about the pocket of players i guess i never really thought about it like that but yeah, yeah. there are um positions that we like because it seems like the players that are available for us each turn are guys that we're high on and we don't have to reach that far for them if that makes sense. Right. Is that kind of what you're hitting at? Sorry, say that again. I was thinking about something No, else. you're good. So it's for these um, positions that we like, it's through practice. We've been seeing that there's these pockets of players, like you said, mm-hmm. um, of guys that we really like. And like, for example, at the three spot, there's – players that are consistently there every time it's my turn to pick that I value uh-huh. highly and I don't have to reach that far for them. Like they're yes, falling exactly. to me where it makes sense 
for them to like be going at. Yeah, it basically. Like, I, don't, I don't have to take Antonio Gibson in the like in the third round when really he's ranked at like fourth, late fourth round or something. Like, there's yeah nothing with that. He's where he's supposed to be going. Yeah, and when yeah, basically when I say the pockets players are like, it's going to be different for everybody listening. Mm-hmm. But I'll just take a random name. Let's say I really like, I don't know. Mike Davis. There we go. I think Mike Davis is going to be a top five running back, blah, blah, blah. So if you have the, just for using my two examples, if you have the first overall pick, you have the spot 59 and 60. And so Mike Davis is going as pick 76 right now. And you get, and you don't pick again until 79, 80. So you either risk him falling there or you reach 16 picks for him. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you have seven, you have spot 67 and 74. So even if you like him that much at 67, you're reaching so much less, seven picks later. So you right. still get good value with your other picks that you have later on. So that's kind of – Yeah. Another, another good thing. example was somebody that was rising for me was Jamar Chase. Yeah. Who I don't, I don't have his ADP right now, but like now that we've got those – first four or like those back four 51 draft slots off the board okay he's 51 yeah okay uh-huh yes okay i guess i'm i'm looking at sleeper right now and he's more like early sixth round i oh, guess so a little later so a little bit later but yes yeah, so now that we've for our league that we're doing we've got those back four draft slots um filled with with players or with guys from our league so i've been looking more at the front half um and i'm i'm not getting jamar chase in any of those because he's not going where where it makes sense for him to go which he's a he's just one guy and not necessarily a pocket of players that i like i like but um if you have any control over which spot you can have and you, there's certain pockets of players that you like. I would definitely pay attention to that and try and pick your spot accordingly. Absolutely. Well, Pete, speaking of like pockets of players, one thing I like to do when drafting is I like to avoid risky players. Like, cause for some reason they seem to pocket together. Maybe that's just a mental thing, but we we've collected two risky draft picks each. And this is not based on just a player or situation that they're in, which Part of it is, but the other part of it is where they're going in the drafts and just players around it better. So, Nate, do you, do you want to – here, actually, I'll, I'll lead off really quick since I just explained sure, it. Sure, so, that'd be great. For example, my first one is Miles Sanders. So, Miles Sanders last year, he, he was a he was an interesting year for Miles Sanders. Let me just put it that way. He finished the year at – I just had it right here. He finished the year at running back 23. I don't remember what he's being drafted at, but it was definitely like top 15. And this year he's oh, being drafted. Dude, it, was, it was like a top, top first round. I really? think I had him in a non PPR league and he was a first round pick. Yeah. Wow. I didn't think it was that high. But anyway, so that, you know, in that regard, it was kind of a bust pick, right? So this sure, year, 100%. a little bit better, running back 16. And when when you just look at the guys going after him, you know, you can look at running backs too. The running backs are J.K. Dobbins, Chris Carson, 
David Montgomery, Daryl Henderson, Josh Jacobs. I'd much rather have any of those five over Miles Sanders. So there's that. And the receivers after him, Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper, Robert Woods, Mike Evans. And then you still have both tight ends that are going after him. I just feel like, like I don't even know what the mm-hmm. ceiling for Sanders is. Like I can't possibly see him finishing above anybody ranked ahead of him besides maybe DeAndre Swift. And that's if the guys behind him don't perform better. And so when you're talking about a third round pick, you know, if you bust on a third round pick, you know, your likelihood of going to the championship and winning is a lot lower. So that's kind of the main reason I'm off of Miles Sanders, just because of that. So I hope that cleared up any confusion anybody had. So I'll pass on over to Nate for his first risky draft pick. Yeah. So I mean, that, a textbook example of a risky draft pick. Um, but one that I had right now was is DJ Moore. He's a wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers. And this is – I don't really know that much about DJ Moore. I know he was pretty streaky last year. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty streaky. Not, not pretty consistent. Streaky. No, he, he was not consistent. He had consistent stretches, but he also had consistently bad stretches. Right. where he couldn't score over 10 points. But he's a super talented guy, but he's on Carolina Panthers where Sam Darnold is now coming in. And I think for the most part, we all expect Sam Darnold to do pretty well. And he's in, he's in a lot better situation in Carolina than he was in New, in New York. But we don't have any idea really how DJ Moore is going to fit into that yet. I would say he's pretty comfortably the wide receiver one at Carolina, but there's also over Robbie um, Anderson. Oh, well, yeah, there's Robbie Anderson too. I mean, he's DJ Moore in these drafts is going almost like six or seven rounds ahead of Robbie Anderson. So there is a lot of optimism there, but I didn't, that's a good point because I don't think there's a clear enough like separation of talent. Or and Anderson. On like ESPN, I, I think they're sorry. On ESPN, he's going twenty-one picks ahead of Robbie Anderson. Twenty-one picks ahead of Robbie Anderson. Yep. So basically, Where, okay, wait. Where's that. Where's Robbie Anderson going? Uh, sixty-six overall, and okay. DJ Moore is forty-five overall. Okay, so ESPN has Robbie Anderson a lot higher than. Than sleeper does. Yes, but sleeper e- either has way, him almost in the tenth round. But yeah, either way. Um, either way, I just I don't think I've seen enough from DJ Moore yet to give him the the baton of deservingly being that far ahead of Robbie Anderson and going that early. I mean, Robbie Anderson was a honestly a really great fantasy performer last year. Super solid looking at his numbers. Yeah. I mean, he had the potential to go off for a big boom game, but he was super consistent around DJ like Moore, 12 to 18 every week. Sorry, I keep interrupting you um, this week. DJ Moore was the 25th overall wide receiver last year, and Robbie Anderson was 19th overall. Yeah. So I, I think I think there's some risk there. I don't, I don't know that much about – the games individually if maybe dj moore has like a better more potential or anything maybe he does but 
Um, one of those things is I guess I would like to have seen it before. Yeah. Um, he's being valued so high. Like I would, I would like to have some, some evidence to support that. The one thing that scares me about DJ Moore kind of supporting what you said is the fact that McCaffrey's coming back. Like that, yep. that was with that, Christian McCaffrey playing next to nothing. Mm-hmm. He and, you know, and I didn't look up the stats of how he did when McCaffrey played versus when he didn't, which I could have done. But um, I just know with Robbie Anderson already being there, or sorry, with McCaffrey coming back, that's going to take away targets from basically everybody because he gets mm-hmm. the ball so much because he's that good. But also with Sam Darnold coming in, he we don't really know what he's like as a passer. But one thing I think a lot of people aren't talking about is Robbie Anderson and Sam Darnold were on the same team two years ago. So they, they Sam Darnold for his first two seasons had Robbie Anderson that he threw the ball to. And, you know, it's it sounds it sounds kind of interesting, but, you know, when you play pickup basketball with people you played with growing up, you kind of just know what to do. And that's not what you're doing professionally. So the fact that he already has that connection makes me worry that he might be not the wide receiver one. And it's a contract year for Robbie Anderson, and the contract year is undefeated. Mm-hmm. Great point. So, yeah, I'm a, just, I am excited for Carolina, though. Like, I think, I mean, these guys, Sam, yeah, they really do. I mean, and if Sam Darnold is lives up to his his draft hype now, I mean, he he just kind of got screwed. Oh, know, that was a, that was a horrible situation. Nobody would have done well. I don't think anybody would have done well. So I'm really I'm glad and excited that he's getting a second crack at it um, under Matt Rule. Good offensive mind, but um, oh, for sure, yeah, should be interesting. But Layden, you got a second guy you want to talk about? Of course, this guy. So when I looked at Risky with Miles Sanders, I just was, I only looked at the negative because I'm not going to lie, I'm not super positive about the situation. But my second guy, I could actually see doing well. So it is DeAndre Swift. Right now, DeAndre Swift on ESPN is going running back 15, 22 overall. And last year, he finished as the running back 18. So the reason I think he could do well is in his rookie season, he got 57 targets, caught 46 of them. That's pretty good. (laughs) And ran for 4.6 yards a carry. So he still got good chunks of yardage every time he touched the ball. But... He didn't touch the ball very often. He only had 114 rushing attempts. So I understand it was a slip backfield with Kerryon Johnson a little bit. He's now gone. So it's kind of his show. And one thing I love about what the Lions did is they have probably underratedly one of the best O-lines in the league. So it's it's just – that's the positive. The negative is the fact that he's going – He's going, I can't even believe this. He's going 22 overall, like I said. So, right after Clyde and right before, wait for it, Miles Sanders in terms of running backs. So, all the other running backs I listed, you know, I think they have a better potential as well. And then the other guys that are going right after Jandrew Swift AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, Michael Thomas, Terry McLaurin, 
Keenan Allen, just in terms of receivers. So there's just a lot more. And I understand running back's a better and more premium position. But th- those guys after him, they're just they're just solid. So you're basically mm-hmm. DeAndre Swift. You're kind of it's kind of a swing. And if it hits, man, it's you're gonna look smart. But if it doesn't, you're gonna not look. You're not gonna be very happy with how you end up. So that's just kind of that's kind of where I lie with DeAndre Swift. I like I like him a lot, but I just don't like the Lions. And I think they'll get behind a lot in games, so they won't have to run the ball. But he also catches the ball. I don't know. I don't know what to think of him. Is what? What was your uh, divisional projection for the Lions record? Lions record is probably like four or five wins. Has there been like a a super successful fantasy player on just like a ter- fantasy running back on just a terrible like offensive team in the last few years? Can you think of any? Not really. I mean, the the best one that comes to mind is I know it's going to be a little bit biased, but when Jamal Charles was on that two and fourteen Chiefs team, yeah, like he was still good, but he wasn't. You know, he wasn't like how much better he was when. What year was mm-hmm. that? I'm gonna look this up. I mean, you could say Saquon Barkley too. A couple of years ago, yeah, the Giants were no not Saquon. Good. Saquon was amazing. 2012. Um, I don't know. I was just. Just thinking about that. Yeah, because Jamal Charles, he's the number one ranked running back in 2013, and I'm pretty sure we went four and twelve that year. Gross. But yeah, with with that, he's going to be involved for sure. Yeah, that's the problem. In Detroit, and he's he's really yeah, he's super talented, very versatile, being a good uh, pass catcher. Um, okay, they went eleven and five that year. That was Andy Reid's first year, so that makes yeah. Okay, but um, yeah, DeAndre Swift. I don't know. It's like when you're on that bad of a team. You did say their offensive line is much improved and pretty underrated. Yeah, because they just drafted uh, Panay Sewell. They have Frank yeah, uh, Ragnow. I forgot his name. And then there's another really solid guy who I can't remember because he's an offensive lineman, but I. Once I see it, I'll let you know. Mm-hmm. It's just I think he could be limited by what the Lions can do as a team. Yeah, because one thing that kind of dictates Haluta uh, Vaitai, uh, he went to TCU actually. He's, he's a pretty good right tackle. Taylor Decker, that's his name. I think he's going to kick. Decker will be the right tackle. Vaitai will kick inside. And then I think they'll put Penny Sewell on the left side. So it's a pretty solid, and Frank Ragnow is one of the best centers in the league. So it's a pretty solid O-line. It's just not much else. And a lot of success with fantasy is obviously, you know, scoring touchdowns. And so I don't know mm-hmm. how many of those he will get. Yeah. Yeah, his involvement will be there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if the Lions' offense is not going to put up points and move the ball – like that means DeAndre Swift isn't, and there's not not many like receivers on the. I can't. I still can't name a single receiver on the Lions besides T.J. Hawkinson, who's the tight end. Right. Like I don't know who else is going to catch the ball, so defenses can really zero in on Swift, which is a risk. But um, it's whatever whatever narrative you want to buy, either his involvement or yeah. Just being on the lines. Exactly. Sorry, sorry, Josh. 
So do you want to kind of highlight your last guy, Nate? Okay, yeah, I have – well, I have two guys, but I really only wanted to ask you about one guy. Okay. I don't have much of an opinion, but I just have a concern, I guess. Is like, what do you think about Justin Jefferson? Is there any risk with Justin Jefferson for this year? The only risk is the fact um, – he's just being drafted really high, but other than that, no. Not really. Like, he's not going to be yeah. – last year he was so good that – I think everybody's expecting him to do that again because that was his first year, but it's just – it's tough. It is tough. I mean, I, it was a breakout season, and literally – was it a record-setting rookie season for a wide receiver? Uh-huh, yeah. It was incredible. Um, it is hard for me to draft him in the third round, though, right now. I don't know what ESPN's rankings are, but for super, he's going – 24. Going 32 overall mm-hmm. and like the sixth wide receiver is oh, – it seems too high. Um, especially with Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen on that team also. And yeah. Irv Smith now too that we all think is going to step it up this year. Because he's the wide receiver six. He was the wide receiver six. I don't know how it – I think he's really good. I don't know how it can get much better than that, though, is all it, I'm saying. And I, know. I think it, you're drafting him a little bit too high. Like, I think he's only set up to fail. I, I don't think – There's no way, in my opinion, he can be better than DK Metcalf this season, Stephon Diggs, D-Hop, Adams, or Hill. No. And I think Calvin Ridley's going to do better than him. I agree. So I think you're drafting him almost at his ceiling upcoming this year. I, yeah, I don't think he'll be a bust in the sense that we've been talking about, like Miles Sanders, maybe. Right. Where he's just not going to do anything. Like he's literally just going to be a bad running back, like he was last year. Right. Like Justin Jefferson is, is going to be a, a good receiver. I just don't think he's worth it right now. Which is something I've been thinking about for a while, but I Sorry. didn't really know how to, to say that because he was so good last year. Hey, I agree, man. It's all right. Like I'm still I'm still thinking that Adam Thielen is a good fantasy. Good fantasy player. He's not bad. And he's and he's going four rounds later than Justin Jefferson. Yeah. He'll definitely. I think Jefferson will definitely get more targets, no doubt. I think he will too. He's he's better, better than Thielen. Did you want to talk about your second, third guy, or just talk about Justin Jefferson? Nah, just Josh, Justin. Okay, because I was going to bring up the fact that just really quick, there there's so many low key. The Vikings actually have a pretty good group of weapons, mm-hmm. like Irv Smith. I oh, think super is gonna, good. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's not really low-key. Because they have Dalvin Cook, who is going to get his touches. Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. Was it was it, was 10th last year. Wide receiver 10. Oh, I'm aware. Which is... Sorry. It's crazy. Yeah, I know, mate. <laughs> great games, you know, catching two-yard touchdowns. No big deal. It is, it's crazy to think that you can have... Yeah, wide receiver 6, wide receiver 10 was 
Was he – was Dalvin Cook running back two or three or four? Uh, he's definitely running back two. Yeah. And Barely. still be – how can you have all that and still struggle to put up points in games? So the thing is, I've come to realize with the Vikings – this is my last point – is the fact that they – they're kind of – they're going to be what the Chiefs are this year, I think. They're going to have three – well, I, I think Irv Smith will be good, really good too. But the Chiefs and the Vikings, they're all going to have elite fantasy players and everybody else will be worthless on their team. Yeah. Because, like, obviously with the Chiefs, you have Clyde, Hill, Kelsey. They're going to be studs. Like, I, I don't think anybody else is going to really do But much. then, like, McColl is, like, undraftable. Yeah. And people and then, that. I, I can see that. And then the Vikings are kind of the same way. Dalvin Cook – Thielen, uh, Justin Jefferson, and then depending on how you feel, Irv Smith. Irv Smith mm-hmm. can still be a top five tight end, and he, you know, he'll still have like a not as much involvement in the game. So, yeah, yeah, I buy it. So that was basically it. And that wraps up our risque draft picks. I know, very risky. It's again. One thing about fantasy that it always will get you back, as much as you know, it'll always, <laughs> as much as it's you think pure you luck, know, dude. <laughs> huh? It's pure luck. It's honestly pure luck because, you know, everybody might think, you know, Justin Jefferson's going to get, or, you know, I think Herb Smith will probably get 80 plus targets and he might get 30. You never yeah. know. No, I mean, I think I think doing your homework and doing your research can definitely set you up to succeed. Yes, and gives you a better probability of performing well and Absolutely. making the playoffs and winning a championship. But yeah, I mean, somebody, you know, I could go get my sister to draft a team, and <laughs> there there is a chance that she could win the league just by doing yeah. that. So you never know. But all right, well, we'll wrap it up here. Thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in again. We will hopefully all three be back with you guys next week. Hope you guys are having a great day and have a good one. Thanks, guys.